Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about metastatic liver cancers. And we have Dr. Henry Pretorius from the Hepatobiliary Unit and Steve Beaker Academic Hospital with us to talk about this. Dr. Pretorius, why do we need to know about metastatic liver lesions? Isn't that the end of the road for a patient? Well, I think we have to know about them. They are by far the most common malignant liver lesions. Um, they're much more common than HCC. The presence of metastatic liver lesions uh, means that the patient has stage 4 cancer. And in the classical sense, that meant end-of-life care. In modern medicine, a fraction of patients with metastatic cancer may still be treated with the intention to cure. This is determined by the physical well-being of the patient, also known as the performance status, whether all metastases are resectable with an adequate future remnant, preferably they shouldn't have extra hepatic metastases, and a potentially resectable primary lesion. The type of cancer would also be important. And what would be some of the common uh, cancers that would metastasize to the liver? So of the primaries that cause liver metastases, the easiest way for cancer to reach a different organ would be either by lymphatic or, or by hematogenous spread. And these usually spread via the portal venous system to the liver. So just by thinking about it, that means most tumors found in the abdominal cavity or that is drained by the portal venous system could give you metastases to the liver. There are some others that are breast, thyroid, etc. Colorectal cancers are by far the most common um, abdominal malignancies that give metastases to the liver. Other important ones would be neuroendocrine meds, which could be from anywhere in the GIT. Breast um, cancer can metastasize to the, to the um, liver as said. And then there are some other ones which are maybe a little bit more rare, but they are definitely evident and they metastasize usually quite early to the liver. Things like esophageal, CIA, gastric cancer, renal carcinoma, as well as pancreatic cancer. So you said that the most common is colorectal liver metastases. Would you maybe tell us a little bit about them and how do they present and how you diagnose them, etc.? The important thing, colorectal liver metastases can present in two ways. One, the patient can present with a metastasis and without knowing about his, his colorectal problem. That would be, a, we would call a cancer of unknown primary and you go and look for the primary afterwards and those would be diagnosed on imaging. But the most common way that they would present would be signs of their primary pathology. So they would present with bleeding, PR, weight loss, um, they can have obstruction, constipation, they can have uh, the feeling of having to pass stool if it's a rectal tumor. Um, so there, there are a, a, a lot of ways in which they could present, mostly associated with that primary, even something like anemia. So in a patient that you suspect has colorectal liver metastases, how would you work them up? Patients with liver pathology always approached in a way where you look at three specific things. One, what is the primary pathology? So this would be colorectal liver metastases. Um, two, what is the patient's functional status? Is he healthy? And what is the underlying future liver remnant and function of his liver? Of course, people with other uh, comorbidities may still develop colorectal liver metastasis. It might be a cirrhotic. But usually in colorectal liver meds, the liver itself is healthy. And we look at the tumor burden if we're going to look at how we're going to manage this. Um, and then we want to determine resectability if the patient should be well. 
that would be determined by what is the future liver remnant and that future liver remnant must have adequate blood supply adequate portovenous supply and adequate hepatovenous drainage as well as biliary drainage so usually we want those segments to be neighboring segments it can't be a segment three and a segment seven that wouldn't work but a two and three together can easily be reconstructed what is it about colorectal liver metastases that make them more favorable prognosis and treatment wise compared to other metastases to the liver Chemotherapy is one of the great advances in medicine as well as biological drugs that have improved the outcome of malignancy as it, it catches the micrometastases and it improves the patient's long-term survival and recurrence-free survival. Now colorectal cancer in general, uh, there's been a lot of work done in the chemotherapeutic agents and they've got very good responses to chemotherapy. And this really, really helps with their long-term prognosis. So the, the baseline of colorectal cancer chemotherapy um, is based on the 5-FU or 5-fluorouracil chemotherapy. And with the addition of oxaliplatin and arinotecan, or even both sometimes in a very fit young patient with METS, um, we can have extremely good responses to chemotherapy. And then of late, maybe in the last 15 years or so, They've been adding what we call biological drugs, which is, it's decided on which to use by looking at the, the mutation that is present in the tumor itself. And that mutation we're looking at is called the KRAS mutation. So when you have a KRAS um, mutant tumor, we, we want to use what we call a VEGFR biological drug, which stands for vascular endothelial receptor. And the, the drug that we use there most commonly is called Bevaxizumab. If it's a wild type or if the KRAS gene is not mutated, then we use the EGFR, which is the most commonly used one is called cetuximab. These drugs really improve the outcome of these patients after the section. So in this scenario that you have an operable or very healthy patient, but the tumor burden in the liver is quite extensive, how would we approach that patient? So this is an important measure to take home, especially with colorectal cancer liver metastases. Because of the good response we could obtain with the adjuvant or the new adjuvant therapy in this case, which we're going to aim at, one would, would not call it quits yet. So what we would do is we would give this patient um, a trial of chemotherapy and see how does the patient respond. Well, some of these patients can respond re remarkably well to the, to the new adjuvant therapy. Some people speak about downstaging, but the patient is still stage 4 disease. But the important thing is it might become a stage 4 resectable disease. And in that case, then we could still go ahead and resect the patient. Obviously, there will be a fairly uh, good portion of these patients who do not become resectable. And in those cases, we still have to remember that these patients had symptoms. That's why they came to hospital. And we have to palliate them on their symptoms. So that would be driven by the symptoms. So for example, if the symptoms was the primary tumor in the colon or the rectum, palliated by either endoscopic stenting if it was obstructed, or doing a stoma if you cannot stent it, it's difficult position, etc. If it was bleeding, one could still do a diverting stoma, which would prevent it from further bleeding. Or sometimes, in very rare circumstances, one could even resect the primary tumor but to palliate the patient and to remember to keep the patient pain-free. Are colorectal liver metastases the only adenocarcinomas that we would resect in the liver? 
Maybe some of what I'm going to say is a bit controversial, but the answer is no. Like I said earlier, medicine is evolving. Um, things like um, breast cancer, when you have isolated liver metastasis in breast cancer, which is not that common, but not that rare either, we are seeming to find quite good results on resecting breast cancer. And once again, this is because of the good adjuvant and new adjuvant therapy that can be added to breast cancer. Their chemotherapy is different to that of colorectal meds because those we manage with 5-FU based, whereas with breast cancer, we give adromycin, doxorubicin and cisplatin. Hormonal therapy that we can use or the receptor-based therapy we can use for breast cancer. So if you've got a HER2 positive receptor, they'll add receptin to your drugs. If you've got PR positive, you'll add your um, hormonal therapy like tamoxifen or rheumatose inhibitors. But another type of metastasis that is quite often to the second delivery, something like neuroendocrine um, tumors. Uh, maybe tell us a bit about neuroendocrine tumors? So um, neuroendocrine tumors, is, as it says, it uh, originates from the chromaffin or neuroendocrine cells in the body. They can be found anywhere along the, um, uh, the paraganglionic chain or anywhere in the GIT. The important thing about neuroendocrine tumors is they are slightly different to your normal cancers as they can really have a very indolent course or some of them can have a very aggressive course and this is a lot determined by their grade. Also when their metastases have formed these are one of the few metastases that actually have cystic meds. So they can have solid or cystic meds and if you see cystic metastases or a liver full of cysts and a primary lesion your first thought should definitely be this may be neuroendocrine. Um, and also the way that these patients could present to you could be quite different to your other malignancies. They could present with a physical mass effect as in any malignancy, the obstruction or the bleeding um, or even the general malaise and sometimes weight loss which is not so common in any piece. But they can often present with an effect of the neurohormone that's being produced by the tumor. What would determine the prognosis of patients with uh, liver neuroendocrine tumor metastases? Well, um, one, obviously, are they resectable? Um, this would form the mainstay of the therapy for NETS. Whether resectable or not, there's another special thing with neuroendocrine lesions which we call grading, um, where they use either the KI67 count or the mitotic index to grade a tumor. And that's just to say how proliferative, how fast is it growing? And uh, if you have a low-grade tumor, like a G1 tumor, these tend to be extremely indolent, slow-growing, and they respond well to therapy that is, that is resting the receptor on the tumor itself, called the ocreotide receptor. Um, this is used with somatostatin analogs, such as ocreotide itself, or one can use PRRT. If it's a grade 2 tumor and it's a low-grade 2, you can still manage it like a G1, whereas a high grade to you maybe will add some immunological drugs like a topside. And then but when you get a G3 tumor, these can have got a high mitotic index or a high KI67 count. They don't respond to your PRT. Um, even if you operate them, they will have probably have residual disease. They can bad cause really and a poor prognosis. And these are usually managed with chemotherapy. Um, do you have any concluding comments? concerning metastases to the liver? I think an easy way to approach these patients, if you're maybe the GPR there, if you find this lesion, 
is to know that there are liver lesions that we can still resect and cure and things are evolving. So maybe what's true today that says can't treat now, in two years time might be completely treatable. So a very safe approach for you as a clinician to have is to say, if you find a liver lesion, don't never call it quits. Send the patient to a patability surgeon who has a multidisciplinary team with whom he can consult, which could probably consist of an oncologist and a radiologist, and they can really assist well in managing this patient, even if it is to palliate at the end of the day. Thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again on a future podcast. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh, and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics.